think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. I am recording. All right. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do this. Uh, Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built-in microwave. Semicolon. Uh, Uh, This is a short about... Close talking in the time of COVID. Yes, yes. Um, I yeah, I have so many examples of this, but I want you to go first. You go first. <laughs> so I agreed to help some very good friends um, fix up a room in their house for uh, a, essentially an extended family member to come stay with them um, for an indefinite amount of time, and so this needed to be. You know, it couldn't just be like a pull-out couch situation. It was like this person will need to have their own space and some privacy and some room to work and things like that. And so um, we went over and we were all bundled up and masked up and had protective gear and all Can I just interrupt for a second? Every time um, I think of like private space, I think of the start of um, uh, that movie which we've been talking about a lot lately, um, Idiocracy, when yeah. um, Dax Shepard's like sitting on his toilet and he's like, shut up, I'm baiting. Oh, yes. I'm baiting. I'm baiting. <laughs> oh, God, that movie's just so great. Yeah. All right. So you were wearing masks and you were you were um, getting this room. Yeah. So we were, we were being like, um, so I, essentially what I'm about to say is it turns out, and it could be because I'm, um, hypersensitive to being an asshole as a person who speaks from a, a, a not totally unintentional position of moral superiority uh-huh. as a person who studied ethics. I don't actually think I'm morally superior to anyone, quite no. far from it. Right. Um, I'm I'm the one who brings the party, so I've got to be somewhere near the bottom of the list in terms of morals. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the situation was hilarious because um, so Damon and I always wear our masks when we go out places we wear our masks anytime we're anywhere near other people we wear our sometimes we forget and just wear them around the house uh-huh. and you're like oh uh, right like, oh, I, I don't need to be wearing this anymore yeah um and so it turns out i kind of assumed other people would be as paranoid as we are at this point we have uh a whole bunch of friends who are happy to indulge us but are insistent that we are far more cautious than they would require us to be. Uh huh. Um, so, in other words, we're the paranoid ones out of our friend groups, um, with the exception of this really close friend of ours who has very good reasons for wanting to be very sequestered. Um, but he mentioned the other day when we were cleaning this house um, to his partner, "Hey, hey, hey, you're close talking in the time of COVID." <laughs> <laughs> in the time of COVID, and I just thought it was so funny. So, um, I we have a bunch of friends who are like, "You guys are being overly cautious," and then one friend who's like, "No, you're all not being cautious enough." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Close talking at the time of COVID. So, oh, it's it was, great. I was trying to talk to a, a stranger the other day, um, and was trying to get close enough to her to be able for her to hear me through the mask. And like every millimeter I inched closer to her, she like abruptly jumped back a foot as if I was trying deliberately to infect her. Uh huh. I finally gave up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think my, my friend group that I, that I see socially distanced, I'm probably middle of the road as far as, 
um, paranoia level or sort of like enforcement of, of isolation. Um, but I do appreciate that, that the friend group that I'm involved with or that I sort of see regularly in person, um, they're like, we're arguing about the level of like, like is is this truly six feet and we're never arguing about whether we should be wearing masks and we're never arguing about um you know like bullshit like if if covid is even real and all of that shit it's just a matter of like how how good are we actually being and those are the arguments and they're not really arguments and disputes oftentimes they're just kind of like um you know they kind of revolve around like is it appropriate to use someone else's bathroom in their house um yeah you know that level which i think is fantastic that we're you know having those discussions and i think we generally do a pretty good job um like most of it i'd say 99 percent of our interactions are outside and at distance and we've we've tried to kind of keep it that way um yeah minimizing like indoor shared airspace is always like a a, a big easy one to do so um yeah i up here in the summertime everybody wants to be outside anyway because we get just such a short amount of time that yeah. it's even survivable to be outside and so i for us it's like we there are a couple of friends who um that we see pretty regularly and like we'll have dinner with them um and we just set up two separate tables outside on their patio and have like the food you know between us or whatever and yeah and serve ourselves um and we also have cat sit. We've been cat sitters and we always just wear masks if we go into other people's spaces, even though they're not going to be around for days after we've been there and things like that. But anyway, yeah. like we have some friends who we've managed to basically just keep doing exactly what we were doing before any restrictions were placed. We just do them within the restrictions. And then there's other friends of ours who we just cannot see for love or money. Yeah, um, right. Where it's like this has become the catalyst for procrastinating literally everything. Right. Right. Um and it's like fuck, I mean, I could just walk past your house and wave to you. Like Yes. Yeah. Like the fact that we can't get within 6 feet of each other doesn't mean we can't be on the same side of the street or the city. Like Right. It's very weird. It's super weird. And then I, when we were talking earlier, me and you, I likened the like sort of weird discussions that people have around their, their relative, um, or comparative levels of COVID paranoia. Yeah. And likened those to the conversations that our generation grew up having to have because of like AIDS and stuff about like safe sex and like, uh-huh. you know, this and that and the other thing. And uh, I'm the equivalent of showing up with like 14 kinds of prophylactics and being like, whatever you think is best and everybody else is like why'd you even bring that shit right yeah. i'm like oh okay never mind i guess right. and the funny thing is like for many reasons uh-huh. um i mean i don't i obviously don't want to get sick ever i'd love it if i never got sick ever again i hate being sick it yes is no fucking fun so yeah. there's that layer there's a layer that i don't want to get sick with something that's potentially genetically predetermined for me maybe to be fatal we right. don't know because right. we haven't done the genetics on it real thoroughly. And I certainly haven't been genetically tested for anything 
much less whether or not I'm extra susceptible to ACE2 receptor degeneration. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Like, there's the unknowable sort of X factor, the the Russian roulette factor where yeah. if you get sick, you might just be someone for whom it is impossible to survive, regardless of everyone's best efforts. Right. And and that's just a genetic lottery, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. that. And there's another reason I don't want to get sick. But because of past experiences and, and other variables and factors in my life if i got sick and died like it wouldn't be the worst thing i mean i don't have any kids to leave behind Mm -hmm. my house can get paid off like there's a the fallout from me disappearing overnight is far less than lots and lots of other people who have a lot more responsibility right now than i do right and so um uh i'm not personally worried about me so much but as a bioethics junkie uh, philosophically, I think it's sort of indefensible not to take precautions because you could pass these things along to other people who could then be sick. And whether those people are conceptualizing what it's going to be like to be sick accurately, yeah. and that's unknowable, so they're not, because um, it's impossible to do that, Like, irrespective of whether other people feel that the risk is worth taking, I don't think that that's a defensible position from a bioethics standpoint like i if i know that there's a chance that i could be a carrier then i have a moral duty not to infect other people increase the risk for other people around me right yeah and so like i don't it's not about me getting sick and it's not even about other people saying they don't care that they might get sick right or they're not worried about it like there are just too many unknowns and so that's not actually maybe for me it's not a robust position to take right right um yeah and so like i have to err cautiously and go to the lowest common denominator because that's what you do yeah when you like think about ethics and so it's kind of a funny situation for me to be in because i am sort of categorically going to be more paranoid than your average person because of a philosophical reason not because of an actual clinical reason sure yeah I don't know. No, no. I mean, that's, it's, it's just, uh, it's so funny, but yeah, it makes me think about, you know, people who are like, ah, it's fine. I I don't really need a condom or whatever uh back in the day. And you're like, this is, I'm pretty sure my third grade sex ed teacher taught me that this is not a good way to go. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. uh, Okay. But it, I mean, just the, it's so funny. Like a a few other of our friends have mentioned that too. Like, this reminds me of safe sex talks. Uh (laughs) I know, it totally does. Well, how do you feel about this? Where are your comfort? Where are your no goes? What are your deal breakers? Right. Can you show me on the banana again how this works? (laughs) How do I fit this over a banana? Uh (laughs) God. Um, which is kind of hilarious too. Uh, speaking of close talking in the time of COVID, um, I find it hilarious the number of people who wear their mask below their nose. Yeah. And it absolutely, now that we're kind of making this sort of condom, condom banana analogy, it just stands out as like, man, you really don't know how to put a condom on, do you? Right. <laughs> oh, God. Like, you're, you're not, you're, you missed it. You missed it. You were close, but you missed it. Yeah. That's your finger not your penis <laughs> <laughs> you missed it let's um, try again try again but i was also reminded of um 
when you mentioned the close talking in time of COVID, when you brought that up, I the first thing I thought of was an experience I had kind of early on after, I think we were maybe two months into quarantine here in the States. And um, I was shopping at uh, Trader Joe's and the, the my local Trader Joe's is... Um, is an old it's in an older building and so the the aisles are really narrow and it's kind of crammed into this kind of awkward space um mm -hmm. i mean it's a wonderful store normally but you know this is a really difficult time because there's very little in-store space even before covid i always tried to avoid it on rush hour because you were you're kind of packed in there as people go through the aisles and it's it's always like a little bit like kind of going to a party and then trying to shop for food, um, you know, like a, a rager and trying to shop for food, right? Like, um, you know, there's a lot of bodies and you're kind of squeezing between people. And, and, and I always kind of thought that was hilarious, but um, anyway, so in the time of COVID, they, uh, one of the things they implemented were one way aisles so that it was real obvious and they put real big signs up everywhere. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you were required, required to wear a mask and they really limited the number of people in the store. So there was always a line out the door, but um, that line moved really quickly because they were they were great. Anyway, I was in the store and I was walking up one of the aisles, like trying to follow the rules and do the thing. And, and this woman was standing in the aisle shopping, you know, looking at something. And so I was waiting for her to kind of make her selection and move forward so that I could proceed down the aisle. And yeah. then... Um, and then when she's done, she turns towards me and starts walking towards me. And I like held up my hand and I said, and I, I was like, hold on. And I pointed at the sign, the giant arrow on the floor pointing towards her that said mm -hmm. one way. And um, I, and she's like, oh, so then what she does is she pulls down her mask and comes up to me closer so that I can hear her and uh -oh. close talks to me about how she's just really frustrated with how all these changes are going on and it, none of it makes sense and it's really difficult uh. to keep up with all the new rules. And she's saying all of this like like as she's pulling her mask down and walking really close to me to say this. And I was like, whoa, like hold on and like step further back. And um, she just didn't really get it. And then yeah. that was the first time I'd encountered this behavior. And then and I just realized in general, um, there are some people who, and I understand, like you're wearing a mask and then you want to be heard. So it makes like your unconscious reaction is to like, well, get this shit out of my way so I can project yeah. my voice. But, um, but I just noticed like a lot after that, I started noticing people do this thing where it's like, if you, if there's some interaction they want to have with you, they're instinct is to pull down their mask with one hand and speak loudly at you as they like uh, approach you um <laughs> and i just was like this is this is gonna be really difficult <laughs> so i think that we need to feature creep um covid masks yeah i want them to be clear hard plastic face shields uh-huh and I want them to essentially be soundproofed so that there's a push to talk button with a tiny little amplifier uh -huh. that you have to carry over your shoulder like a handbag. Oh, wonderful. And it's connected by like a spirally telephone cord to your hard plastic see-through mask, uh -huh. <laughs> which fogs up. So it's definitely going to need a little windshield wiper on the inside, <laughs> which means it's going to need a battery pack. Yes, that you that you wear around your waist like a... Um like a hip like a fanny pack yes big old fanny pack 
full yeah. of full of electronic gear. <laughs> and I want it to only operate really at like a single volume. Like you basically have to turn it all the way up to be heard. But while you turn it up, there will be a smart feature that's like, are you sure you want the volume all the way on high? Uh-huh. Just like on your fucking phone when you try to listen to music. And how about um, we also all carry boom mics so that we can hold them near each other so that people can speak yes. into them. And so you have to manage all the audio shit of a boom mic as well, just to yes. kind of, so you can't actually hear the outside world except for what's like filtered through the boom mic, which you have to hold to kind of above and near the person who's speaking. Right. That's great. I think that's great. I also yeah. think that like when you're transmitting some kind of a light that you wear on top of your head should come on yes. so that people know that they should be listening for your amplifier. I love voice. this. Yes, this is great. Okay. Okay. I think we've solved this problem. Yeah, I've got um, a very clear picture in my head of what this should look like. Right. <laughs> I also had a vision of um, a kind of uh, like a six foot enforcement conversation shackle. So um, <laughs> it's it's a six foot long bar with two shackles on the end that go around your neck. So if you want to have a conversation with somebody, you have to get both of you have to get into it so that then you can't get any closer to each other. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing so hard that the word six foot convo shackle has come out like a child who's never held a pen before wrote it. <laughs> that reminds me of like the get smart cone of science. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are... We are serious entrepreneurial geniuses here. This this immediately made me think of um, for a little while before uh, Instagram just got really fucked up. You could kind of browse <laughs> through like a lot of shit, and for a while, I was getting a lot of design Instagrams. Like, oh man! And um, there was one that really stood out in my mind that I shared with you, which was just this like. Like the person who who designed this, so someone. A lot of these designs are like someone in CAD, like makes a three dimensional rendering of of some designed object they think is going to be a amazing. Hypothetical object. Yeah. yeah, and so they had designed this um, this this ceramic uh, citrus juicer, right? And so, yes. Picture picture um, a citrus juicer that. A classic one that is like it's a dish with a dome in the like a pointed dome in the middle. So you take a half an orange or a half a lemon and you press it down on the sort of slightly pointed bit, and then the juice runs out into the surrounding dish, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's a circle with a smaller cone in the center that you push the thing. So that's that's kind of a classic uh, hand juicer that I imagine many people are familiar with. So yeah. this is essentially the same thing, uh. except that. Um, now imagine a bowl and on one portion of the lip of the bowl that is basically drawn up to form a cone, right? That mm -hmm. hangs over the center of the dish. And so mm -hmm. the idea would be that you would um, about four to five inches over the center of the dish, you would press against this protruding cone that kind of comes from the edge of the dish, right? And so mm -hmm. it looks beautiful and elegant and delicate, right? Yeah. And it's made of ceramic. And I'm like, 
whoever designed this has no fucking clue how physics works, how yep. juicing works, because part of the juice would immediately run out of the bowl over the top of the cone out the other side of the. So right, right away, some portion of the juice will always not be going into the bowl to be collected. The Which other is issue I see. Idiotic. Yeah. The yeah. other issue I see is that the direction of force that you need to push into it is not down. It's a, it's sort of parallel to the, to the holding surface, which means that now you can, you must operate this two handed, which is that you have to yep. hold the bowl in one in place with one hand while you press on the other. And then the yes. final thing is that there's no understanding of the fact that one would be putting a significant amount of force onto this object, this mm-hmm. ceramic object, which is by its nature fairly delicate. And when it breaks, will make sh- sharp shards, shards that will then maim the person who's pushing it because <laughs> it, it's just like, this is just a fucking nightmare of design. Anyway, it's totally hostile design is totally hostile design. Um, and, and that's before you've even made a physical object and tested it out and maimed yourself. Like, right. um, but uh, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, so there's just this litany of yeah. um, bad designs. And then we were talking, what were you just talking about? You were talking about the, um, uh, the, the, the six foot shackle. Oh, the, the six foot shackle. COVID mask. Yes. Yeah. The, um, so I was thinking about how, uh, man, I don't know. I'm trying to blank now. Just bad design. It's just, yeah, oh, that, just that citrus press was exceptionally oh, bad. I remember now. Instagram. Yeah. So after COVID happened, um, the, like a lot of these accounts started showing these images of like idiotic <laughs> designs of solutions for COVID. Like one of them was like <laughs> the, the dining table where each person has an individual glass cone or plastic oh, cone that right. sits over them. Yeah. With with yes. like it's like you have no understanding of disease transmission and what we're dealing with here and the like 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 what <laughs> this is like there's this whole group of people who call themselves designers yes but all they do is produce graphic representations of a hypothetical thing that could actually be designed yes and that, and I'm like that's not fucking design that's just illustration yeah and it's also oftentimes just like really poorly thought out ideas that are you know all they do is portray your your deep misunderstanding of the problem at hand um you know for instance like that like the um the juicer dish that was just it's like well you obviously don't juice lemons or citrus in the first place and I can tell you're not a juicer. Yeah. And second of all, you've, you've what, like, why, why is, what problem are you solving with this? And is, you know, and a valid problem is like, it's not beautiful enough. Okay. But if it's, if you've created something that's so beautiful, it no longer functions as the thing, then it's, it's not solving the problem again. Yeah. Um, also I would argue it was not beautiful at all. It was just like, it just looked like that looks uncomfortable and awkward and difficult to use. Good job. So was that one, (laughs) one that somebody actually produced in three dimensions for, for like available for purchase? No, I I mean, I don't know. I, as much as I saw it was a 3d rendering. Um, I also, the other one that stands out in my mind was the, um, dish drying rack that also has plants. Um, so With the idea, 
yeah, like plants with, so the idea was the dish rack would collect the water and then directly feed into, uh, like, so the drips from the drying dishes would then directly feed into watering plants that were growing right in the same container. And, um, uh, my immediate thought was, uh, well, you've not thought about the general idea of why we wash dishes in the first place, which is to create a sanitary environment. The second thing that you've not really thought about is that um, when you collect standing water, whether you put, you know, putting plants in it can help mitigate some issues, but generally creating a plant dirt water environment inherently invites bacteria to Uh those plants need bacteria to thrive. That, that's part of their existence. So you've created a bacteria, for, like bacteria and mold are a high feature of this environment <laughs> that you're now putting your perfectly clean dishes into before right. you put dishes them away. Dishes you've cleaned to eliminate those problems. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. And Brilliant. it's, it's, it's just we like, should, we should like do, we should collect a bunch of like, Bad other designs. people's designs a bunch of bad designs and put them in a book called self-defeating design self-defeating design yes um so uh the author that um chris had mentioned and i can't remember his name right now uh but he wrote a book called uh f is for failure and mm-hmm. it is uh my understanding is that it's kind of exactly what you're talking about um and i'm gonna look it up right now And it's, uh, is it called F is for failure? Maybe it's not called F is for failure. Uh, failure in design. What is the name of, oh man, I can't believe. That's weird because I swear you've told me about this before and I swear you said F is for failure. And I was like, that I that- swear that's the name of the book. Um, this can't be right. F is for failure. Come on. Book. This is a book. I know it is. It's not. It's not. No. It is. I know it is. It's not. Well, now we can write it. I guess so. But it's got... um. It's like got the fucked up tea kettle on the front. Oh. I don't know. Man, what is the... I feel like I've just failed at everything. Um, at life, at F memory. F is for failures. Uh, let's see. So, uh, books on design. Man, I don't... The design of everyday things. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, um, that is nothing like F is for failure. I don't failure. know why I thought... God, I, I think it's because it's got... Um, anyway, it's by Don Norman. Chris, yes. uh, Chris, who's been um, a co-host on this podcast before, uh, is a big fan of his. And we actually um, attended his one of his talks at one point um, on a online meeting thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so... Don yes, Don did. Norman wrote the psychology of everyday things or the design of everyday things. Um, mm-hmm. But the, I think the reason I think F is for failure is because it has the F teapot on it, which is to say the handle and the spout of the teapot are on the same side of the yes. object of the pot. So that Got the it. idea is like, you know, Hey, so this thing is designed and is designed badly. And he kind of, in his book, he talks about 
um, the problems of design. And it's kind of a classic piece on on product design in particular. Yes, um, I can't remember if I bought this book already. I think I may have. Uh, yeah, you know what's kind of hilarious? Remember when we were uh, condoing my, uh, Marie condoing my house? So yeah. I had this book and it was one of the books I got rid of. Oh my God. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's the way it goes. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the design of everyday things, um, I made me think of, I, I think the reason I was thinking of this, but maybe we do need to write a book called F is for failure and then just have like a fucking litany of badly designed products, just yeah, really just awful a, ones. A, um, a Niagara of badly designed products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I think we've 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 actually pushed right up against half an hour, so I think we've we've again. It's a long short. It's a long short. All of our shorts are long. I, none of them are shorter it's than okay. fifteen minutes. Um, anyway, I, yeah, that's okay. That's we fine. Can, that's there okay. are still more days of the week. We can just make more shorter ones. That's right. We well, can, the short shorties. Trying the <laughs> yes. short shorties. It's not a short. It's a tiny. At some point, we'll just be reduced to us screaming short in a microphone, and that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> now i want short. I, I want that to be a thing that's just like this, one of our this reminds segments. Me, totally short this uh there was a podcast that i used to love i still love it but they don't record it anymore called um professor blastoff and yes it was categorized as a science podcast and it was three comedians and including tig notaro and they oh, would have so people great. on yeah. as guests but then eventually it just sort of devolves or evolves whichever way you want to uh-huh. look at it into this hilarious group of people just talking about whatever uh-huh. um which is kind of why i i guess that was like super formative to me in terms of what a podcast even is yeah and it, uh, the first wave of podcasts are just like people talking about stuff and i'm sure somebody's gonna look at what we're doing and be like they were on the tail end of like podcasting being a new thing so they're borderline archaic right like, right right the way that we're doing things we're not trying to be cutting edge but anyway um one of their episodes gets entirely derailed and it just becomes a competition among the three of them of who can say she couldn't think top shelf thoughts. Oh, yes. Really, really fast. Remember, like, we listened to this on a on a road trip one time. Uh-huh. And so they're, like, timing each other with stopwatch. Couldn't think top shelf thoughts. <laughs> and they would, like, <laughs> laugh about it. And over and over again are, like, racing each other to see who can say it fastest. And they do this for, like, at least a half hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just so entertaining. And so I just imagine, like, at some point we'll be like, I feel like we can say short quicker. Short, short, short. <laughs> short, short. short. <laughs> anyway i yeah. i almost think um you know on the topic of uh categorization of podcasts like i think that we fall into the realm of um voyeurism which is to say that our our podcast is designed around you and i and things that we want to talk about to each other and we've yeah. allowed other people or, or we've provided a very easy voyeuristic platform for other people to listen <laughs> In. what's it like to be these weird people yeah i mean i don't i it it's i think i don't really know the true de- I, voyeurism is um i don't want to give it like a negative connotation in this context because we do uh this is an open conversation absolutely like it you know people are, are welcome to participate and we'd love to hear yeah. from you um it's just our our approach to it is like zero steering from other people at the moment and probably indefinitely no one's going to come along and be like 
we're not doing this to get the likes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, um, it's funny because voyeurism, like I, I Googled it because I was like, can you be a voyeur outside of like a sexual situation? And you can't. Oh, you can't. Okay. So that's not <laughs> so, the right term. That is, we are not asking you to be our voyeurs. No, no. Okay. Um, yeah. Then uh, there's probably uh, a better term for, um, I, well, I mean, we're just, you know, we've basically publicized our personal conversation for uh, people's enjoyment and, um, and they're kind of people watching experience or listening like you can you can listen along and um, eavesdropping eavesdropping exactly eavesdropping yeah that's perfect um which is exactly what we've we've created right like in fact i wonder if there's a way to refer to our audience as like they're up in the eaves um oh i don't know we'll have to think about that but that's kind of a fun theme um i like that yeah i do too uh i mean i certainly when uh, like the podcasts i listen to I feel like I'm eavesdropping or I, I enjoy them from that perspective, which is to say like, it kind of feels like I'm at a party and I'm kind of laying at a, like, like it's kind of like the equivalent of taking a nap at a party, which is to say that this is something really you only do as a kid. Like your parents are having a party in the other room and you're like laying on the couch because they don't want to go home yet. And so you're like passed out. And so that like that din of conversation that is happening and you're not part of it, but you're there experiencing it. And then there's Mm -hmm. this certain level of comfort um, as a kid where you're sort of, you're safe. No one's going to fuck with you. And so the loud noises that are going on in the party are not disruptive to you and your ability to pass out and have it go to sleep. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird, it's a weird kind of comforting liminal space, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at least personally, that's been a thing for me. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. We, let's wrap this up. Let's call this good. So, okay. Thanks for uh, hearing us out, everybody. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Okay. Well, um, Oh, uh, shoot us an email if you want. Um, contact at fcbm.io or you can get a hold of dana at fcbmio.io uh she's our executive assistant so she'll she'll get you in the right direction if you have questions queries or just comments in general um okay thanks everybody okay thanks